Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. The DFS Studio is brought to you by DraftKings. Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. That's right, we're back. Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew Super Wildcard Weekend Betts. It is super that there's six games, but I'm mad, dude. I'm mad at um, the sponsor of the studio. I'm mad at DraftKings.com. <laughs> I'm mad at FanDuel. Dude, Coming the six-game slate. I, I'm, I'm upset. The six-game slate is the slate. I mean, that it's the most action. It's better for, the, for us as players. It's just more fun, more ways to get different. And they said, no, no, no. We need our money. We need, our, we need you guys to enter a main slate on Saturday and a main slate on Sunday, so they've decided to give most of the action to the two-game slate Saturday, the, the three-game slate Sunday. Not as good for us as DFS players, so I'm a little upset about that. But uh, plenty of action this weekend. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it's it's a bit complicated, and I mean we're we're talking about fake football, so it's not that you know like big of a deal. But it is a big deal when every single week we, when we talk about the main slate. The reason why we do is because it gives the widest. Uh, entries for people to be able to get in and for us to give advice to say hey here's how you can approach this this week we have to talk about it as saturday as its own thing sunday as its own thing and then kind of give people some strat you know some strategy to say here's how you combine it like i feel like i have to cover about five different bases and oh by the way the eagles play on monday night (laughs) yeah that's the thing is like there's some guys on the slate that like on a two-game slate you're like oh what a great play like i definitely could be into that but on a six-game slate, you're like, man, that guy's not making my player pool. So the context, I think, is really important. The roster percentages are going to be out of whack. I'm already telling you, Kyle, we're going to get at least like five or six uh, support questions. Like, the roster percentage looks wrong this weekend, <laughs> probably because the player IDs are messed up. I mean, it's it's a mess. But we're here for you guys. We'll get through it together, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll win some money. Yes. In the DFS pass, which, I mean, I feel like we need to like sound an alarm. We need to do something because... Um, Corporate stepped in, you know, HR had a big meeting. They were talking about, you know, sales numbers from last year and everything else. And they just said, you know what? Here's how we can make more money. Let's make this free. What the heck, man? <laughs> were you what in on heck? that board meeting? No, I, I found out, you know, I was listening to this episode of a podcast I like. It's called The Fantasy Footballers. Um, and I, I just heard it through the airwaves. So I found out in real time. Uh, just like everyone else did, and um, I'm offended. I'll be honest, guys. The DFS pass is is like a uh, a child. It's a brother. It's it's super special to Betsy and I. It's what we pour our blood, sweat, and tears since May. I mean, this is this is what we've been doing for months on end. And then corporate steps in. Some guys named Andy, Mike, and Jason. They say, you know what? 
let's make sure that people can get access to this during the playoffs for free. So if you're one of those special people that said, hey, you know what? The $17, I didn't want to pay that, but I can pay $0. I can tell my my spouse or my significant other and say, hey, $0 is going to make me a ton of other dollars. You can do that at DFSPass.com. I give you a promo code, but it doesn't work on free. Uh, <laughs> you no, use the guys, code DFSPod and you actually get yeah. money back. <laughs> please do. Please do. Oh my gosh, that'd be hilarious if that's how we worked it in this like, Oh man, but we owe guys, you 10% of this. <laughs> in all seriousness, uh, this is a chance for you out there if you're like, hey, I've kind of played DraftKings, my season's over, best ball, you lost a lot of money, whatever it is, you can jump in with us. We give all of our picks. I just finished a Pace of Play article that was one of the longest of the year. Usually I preview about three or four games. This one is all six of them how I'd stack them up, how the field's going to do it, and some of the advanced matchup stuff. We're going to have our DraftKings picks, our FanDuel picks, and then our best plays article is uh, is going to be jam-packed this week because we have to cover all the different slates. So DFSPass.com if you want to be a part of that. And then one more shout-out. I think we have this week and next week. I think that's it, but FootClanVote.com if you want to vote for this podcast for the best fantasy and sports betting podcast. If you're one of those people that said, oh, I've already done that, then we salute you. We love you. If you haven't done it yet, what are you doing? You know? Just help us out, man. Kyle needs it. I need it. Corporate told us if we don't win this award, the show is over. So it's it's on you guys at this point. Yeah, I mean, DFS Pass isn't bringing in any more money. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Legitimately, it's not. It legitimately is no no when we looked at I mean, we can see behind the scenes people that sign up are like oh oh so like that's zero dollars oh that's like a couple hundred more people today up oh, zero dollars that's okay it's all right we're gonna be fine dfspass.com footclanvote.com we appreciate you sticking with us and yes we're only at one episode per week it's the off season but i maybe this is just me i feel like the action on the discord has picked up over the last couple of days? Is that just me? Oh, no. I, I've seen the same. I mean, people are getting excited. They're they're ready for playoff DFS, and I can't blame them. I love wildcard weekend. Six games to talk about. I mean, half of them are going to be played in a blizzard or something like that, so <laughs> this is going to be crazy, man. People are excited, and the Discord is always, you know, I think a good added benefit to the DFS pass. Uh, I always mention this. Like, I was kind of a little hesitant to, like, really be in there a lot because sometimes you get some people that are you know they're not the nicest or they're not really <laughs> respectful stuff like that but man the people in our discord are awesome and you know there's people in there every day talking dfs plucking player props talking nba props i mean the, the props channel dude is is out of control it's been a lot of fun so hop in there like kyle uh you know i mentioned this comes with your dfs pass so again a little extra extra perk yes and i've been doing this thing in the morning where i get up in the morning do my routine, kids get off to school. And then I post early in the morning. I have this little this little drop in the Discord channel where I drop some NBA props that I'm kind of thinking about taking. That's been pretty fun last uh, last week or so. So yeah, make sure you get in on that. Before we talk about how we want to stack these games, because that's what Betser are going to do, talk about all of these games this week. Salaries, construction, you know, this, this episode is going to be jam-packed. Any overarching thoughts of these games. So Saturday games is Cleveland at uh, the Houston Texans, the 44 and a half over under the dolphins at the chiefs. And that one's at 44. I could see that total dropping as well on Sunday. It's Steelers at the bills, 35 and a half. The total is at now that's gross. Uh, we have Packers at the Cowboys. That's at 50 and a half. 
The Rams at the Lions, which is going to be an awesome game, 51 and a half. And then on Monday, your Eagles play the Buccaneers. They are three-point road favorites. So any overarching thoughts on this slate? And it's a small slate, so we can't use the same principles we've used in the past. Yeah, I think, you know, just kind of talking about overarching strategy before we get into any player takes or prices or any of that stuff. If you haven't played a lot of the small slates that are, you know, two games or three games, it really is just so different than a 10 game main slate where, you know, you have a huge player pool, you can pick and choose your spots, you have plenty of games that you can get into. Obviously, the player pool is limited, you're going to see running backs that are rostered at 70%. And that's just kind of the nature of the slate. Like on Saturday, like there's probably six at most running backs you can even play. So like, obviously, the roster percentage is elevated. And it becomes to me more of a game theory uh, game that we're playing rather than trying to get these, you know, really uh, strong player takes and football takes in there because you are looking for leverage spots and the ways that you can create leverage to win in tournaments. uh, There's a few ideas I have. Um, One is leaving salary on the table, which we would almost never do on a full main slate where you have so many players in your pool. Um, Leaving more than, you know, 500 bucks on the table is a way to get different. Uh, The other thing is just trying to find price point pivots. We talk about that on regular main slates too. But the final thing is, you know, I almost kind of treat this like showdown where there's a lot of variance. You want to avoid setting hard and fast rules where if you've been playing on the Sunday main slate for a long time, you're used to saying, okay, I'm going to try to double stack my quarterback. Let me find a bring back. Let me make sure I'm trying to limit just one running back from the same game in my lineups. I don't want more than one guy against my defense. Like if you start doing that, you're going to you're not going to win. Most likely you're going to uh, avoid a lot of strong plays in your lineup. You want to be kind of loose if you're using an optimizer as far as the rules go, because weird stuff happens. You don't need massive scores to win uh, on these slates. So I would just say be really uh, critical and kind of think about that, how you're playing these small slates. It's very, very different than a, a big main slate. Keep in mind that there are certain pockets of salaries where we're used to playing players you know, like I feel like 5,500, 5,000, like there's always wide receivers in that range in cash that we'd be like, oh, that's a great play. I feel like there's players that can just straight up airball this week in the 5K range. It's like Gabe Davis, uh, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Romeo Dobbs. It's like I used to be able to just look at the slate and go, oh, well, here's the players. Here's the, the targets. I can fit them in. Also, a big point is that Betts and I will be talking this entire episode about tournament play mostly. Okay, so cash is not something that we really like to do in small slates. On Thanksgiving, if you rode with us then, we didn't really talk about cash. There's just so much variance. And I went back last year in the playoffs, wild card weekend. Do you know who the quarterback one was, Bets, in wild card weekend? I totally forgot. Honestly, I'm, I was, I'm trying to even remember who played on wild card weekend. So I uh, have no idea. By the way, I spring this stuff on you all the time, like you're supposed to know. Like I had I look, no idea. I look like an idiot. Thanks a yeah, lot. no, I, I sound really smart, but it really means I looked it up before. <laughs> it was Daniel Jones. Of course it was. The, uh, the, wide, the wide receiver one was DK Metcalf on the road in San Francisco, and I looked up his roster percentage in some big tournaments. He's played under 5%. So my point is that there's variance. And so in cash, that's something usually we want to stay away from. We just go for the high floor players, play the best plays. So when we talk about the best plays and when they're published in the DFS pass, they're the best plays based on the slate, not so much here's how we'd play them in a cash environment. So uh, any last thoughts about just the cash GPP mindset? Um, not too much to add. I think you you hit on it pretty nicely there. 
that's what I was kind of talking about when you you asked me, like, is there anything that you just kind of give advice about from a higher level standpoint is that this is more of a game theory aspect, like you said, kind of like the DK Metcalf play of last week or last year. I also remember on that, that slate, now that we're talking about it, people were like terrified to play Ken Walker, you know, against that Niners defense. And if you played that Saturday slate, Ken Walker, I think was in the optimal because he scored a touchdown. Like it doesn't take that much to end up in the optimal lineup when the slate is so small. So I think it's a really good point. Yeah. When you look at certain matchups, you just kind of fade away for certain players. We've always kind of done that with wide receivers, like top end wide receivers. You can say this all day, but they're good for a reason and they can beat really good defenses in the same way. Somebody getting in the end zone, like a Kareem Hunt this weekend. It's not hard for him to fall in the end zone. I forgot he had nine rushing touchdowns this year. And like That's 20 yards wild. a game. <laughs> it, it is just wild to think that he was that important of a player uh, for fantasy. So we'll be talking about all that. Let's talk about these games. Stack attack. First game we're going to talk about is the Saturday slate. So we'll talk about the two Saturday games and then talk about construction, roster percentage, and then we'll move to the Sunday games. But the first one, Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans. The DraftKings Sportsbook line is Cleveland minus three. The over-under is at 44 and a half. And we saw this matchup a couple of weeks ago, right? In week 16, fantasy semifinals, if you're playing your home leagues, wherever you're playing, that was the Amari Cooper game where he went bonkers. Joe Flacco was the quarterback one the only problem was that was a case keenum game so we can't just use that game as the template and say oh well that's what happened this is what's gonna happen again it does at least give me a picture of what works against these defenses uh because honestly the texans are a weird team before the year you would say they were the premier team to run the ball against and they've kind of morphed in this team that can stop the run and they're terrible against outside wide receivers and that's kind of been the MO for Cleveland recently. It's been, let Joe Flacco cook. Let's throw the ball. They're not running the ball the way they used to at the beginning of the year with Sean Watson and everybody else. So I feel like this game sets up really well for the strength of the Browns in that they're letting Joe Flacco throw and their defense creates a lot of pressure. So there's a reason that the Browns are road favorites in this game. So I I just... My early take is that I like the Browns side from just a football perspective. It makes sense to me why they're working. Um, but when you factor in salaries and stuff, I think they're cheap, relatively yeah. speaking. Yeah, they are, especially on this two-game slate. And if you kind of just run the optimizer and see like what, what does it spit out at you as far as the quote-unquote best plays in this game, it is a lot of Cleveland Browns, man. I mean, it's Joe Flacco, it's Amari Cooper, it's David Njoku, Drum Ford sneaks in there sometimes. Like this is going to be uh, chalk city when you think about not only just the math of of kind of the game and it's in a dome compared to the freezer that's going to be you know in Kansas City. Um, it all kind of lines up. So my fear is that if you do play the Joe Flacco stuff, which I'm not saying don't, it's obviously a great spot against Houston. We saw him have a huge game in this matchup last time. Amari Cooper looks like he's going to uh, be good to go. So it all kind of lines up. Just make sure if you are going to play that stack, especially like the uh, the Flacco, Amari, David, and Joku, that you're looking at other spots, whether it's on the Houston side or in the Kansas City, Miami game to either get a different roster build construction, like a different price point kind of pivot, or just a lower rostered guy. And obviously, you can use the roster percentage to help you do that. So that's my only concern. Obviously, it's an incredible spot. There's really nothing to say. The usage for Amari Cooper and David and Joku has just been unreal since Joe Flacco took over. 
Yeah, I, I'm not really messing around <clears throat> with like ancillary pieces here. I feel like this is a game where the play, the best plays are the best plays because they stand out and the team has condensed their targets. So Kareem Hunt on a two-game slate, sure. On a if you're playing the full game, if you're playing the full thing, I, Kareem Hunt's just like out. He's not even like on my play in my player pool because you need him to get in the box and you need him to really get in the box twice. Uh, and I just can't see that happen. But Jerome Ford, I'm including him as a pass catcher, especially on DraftKings. He's seeing 3.8 targets per game with your boy, Daddy Flacco. And Oh, Daddy. That, wow. You went there, huh? Yeah, he's old, dude. <laughs> he's got five kids. Um, he's not that much older than me, though. He's at 38. <laughs> he seems so much older. He does. He seems ancient. I'm 36. Dude, you but... and Flacco are boys. Basically the same. Flacco's, I mean, he's the hotness right now. I'm a cool, if, if you're calling me and Flacco boys, not a sentence I thought I would say in 2024, but uh, Jerome Ford, I think you can include in the mix. I think for me, it's a Flacco double stack, knowing that David Njoku is going to be popular. Uh, like the tight ends on the Saturday slate are really hard to figure out because I think people will be flexing. Njoku, Schultz, or Kelsey. Like, I think two tight ends are going to end up in a lot of builds because Schultz is cheap enough. So I can't tell anyone to like, don't play Njoku or don't play Schultz or don't play Kelsey. But I think from a game theory perspective, they're going to be in a lot of lineups. Yeah, you're going to see, I think, a lot of two tight end lineups, which again, just thinking about how you create leverage, how you get different is trying not to do that. Now, you will sacrifice projection, most likely, because, quite honestly, David Njoku is one of the best plays on the slate for Saturday. He's a 5,600 on DraftKings. This is a guy that's seen eight-plus targets in four straight games, averaging 10.4 when Flacco, Amari Cooper, and he have been in the lineup together. But he's priced as the 15th most expensive pass catcher. So if you treat him kind of like a wide receiver, like we've talked about with Trey McBride, he's way under price. So again, he's not yes. a bad play. He's a good play. But like you said, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, you know, Flacco with Cooper and Joku and then Travis Kelsey in the flex or Dalton Schultz in the flex. Just be mindful of that. That's kind of what we're talking about on the slate is that game theory aspect of it. I'd be trying to look elsewhere as far as uh, a differentiating piece if I am going to play the stack, which don't get me wrong, I will have exposure to that, but so will everybody else. It's tough too because the Texans, a great matchup for tight ends. On the other side of the ball, Dalton Schultz, he's a, in a great spot. I mean, since week 12, the Browns are 30th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end. So both tight ends are going to show up really well. And I brought this point up earlier, but there's just not great options in the four to five K range when you're like, okay, so do I spend four K for Elijah Moore or do I spend four hundred more dollars and get Dalton Schultz, who I think we would call the wide receiver two for the Texans. And, you know, you just look at this entire slate, Noah Brown, it's, it's, it's not looking great. We still have to monitor practice reports, but 5100 that's a high price to pay for somebody that can clearly airball. So I, I think what I'm saying is I, I like the Brown side. I think Flacco will be the most popular quarterback on the Saturday slate. And then if you're talking more like over the course of the all of the games, I think Flacco is going to come in around like three uh, in terms of popularity because he's so cheap and we've seen him do it. We've seen him do it in this matchup. So uh what about on the Texans side? Is there anything that you have a stance on right now? I think the the tough part is here is, you know, CJ Stroud's been awesome. And if you listen to the Dynasty show, like we love CJ Stroud. He's been great this year. He's the offensive rookie of the year. 
He's a mainstay in the NFL for the next couple of years, no doubt. But, you know, this it's a big spot. It's a primetime, you know, an island game against arguably the NFL's best defense. Now, I will say they, they just uh, were recording this on Thursday afternoon. We found out Denzel Ward had a knee injury in practice, so he may miss this game. Obviously, that improves the pass uh, passing game for Houston as far as their ma- matchup on the field. But I'll be honest with you, I don't have a ton of interest in Stroud. Um, yes, he's at home. Yes, he's in the dome. And I think people will maybe go too far with that narrative of this is the game you have to stack. But like, yes. man, and and I know the we're going to talk about the weather in the KC game. It's terrible. It's going to be freezing. But the line as of our recording is basically the same as this game. And that's already baked in. So make sure you're not double counting that when you talk about KC and Miami. If it was 70 degrees and sunny, that game would probably be at 52 points or something like that, right? So it's already baked in. Just make sure you're not double counting. And I think the field might double count and say, I'm not playing Mahomes. I'm not playing Tua. Like, I'll play Stroud if I don't want to play Flacco. And like I said, it's such a tough matchup. I know you talked about this in the pace of play stuff, which hat tip, my, my man. It was uh, a great read this week. Make sure you check that out in the DFS pass. Um, he's really not done well under pressure. And Cleveland generates pressure at one of the highest rates in the league. So, uh, again, I don't think it's the cleanest spot. I'll be underweight in my exposure. It's hard because any quarterback under pressure, they're going to see their numbers drop. He actually yeah. did well last week against the Colts. Like he held up really well, and then they almost gave that game away. Which, as much as we're saying, like they're the four seed, they get a home game. CJ Stroud, like they they should have maybe lost that game. You know, if, if play calling was different, or you know, if Anthony Richardson Dude, was if in Minshew instead of Gardner, just puts that ball on Tyler Goodson, or Tyler Goodson makes that catch on the fourth down. Who knows? Yeah. So I, I I'm down on Stroud this week. I think Cleveland just creates a lot of pressure. You know Miles Garrett. You know what this team can do. And they rank number one in EPA per dropback. So there's just a lot of things to say about the Cleveland defense and why they're in a good spot. Devin Singletary, like you don't you don't have to look at Damian Pierce to me. And I haven't. I never have. And I never will. But <laughs> he he's like non-existent. He played as many snaps as you last week, Betts. Me and Damian together. A combined zero snaps. He got paid though to 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 not play. That's true. I didn't get paid anything to sit on the couch. Uh, I always think that's funny. I I used to like figure out like per game salary numbers. Like, oh, this guy's had you know Chase Claypool's had like this many catches and he's got paid this much. But then I just stopped caring. But Devin Singletary's the guy. His usage is great. Um, still still not a great matchup. So any takes on the Texan side, or is it more of like I'm playing Nico Collins? Uh, Dalton Schultz is a bring back or Singletary in itself is a good high floor play on this slate. Like uh, if you're playing Saturday, the running backs are pretty, pretty tough. Like it's Ford Singletary or Pacheco and the Miami running backs. Like those are the dudes. So Singletary at 5,700 and 6,400 on FanDuel is a great points per dollar play. Yeah. He's, he's way too cheap, especially if you can, if you think that last week's usage is what this team wants to do as far as, you know, when, when they're uh, they're up against it and they have to win, if that's how they're going to use him, then he's a great play at fifty seven hundred. Even if he is going to be sixty percent, sixty five percent, something like that. Uh, again, there's not that many running backs you can play. Damian Pierce played zero snaps. He set season highs in snap share, route rate, and handled all the running back touches last week. And that's the stuff we talk about when we talk about Kyron and CMC. And obviously, he's not the same player, so that's not what I'm saying. But like 
just from a points per dollar play, any running back that's going to play that much and touch the ball that much is a really good play. Now, you mentioned the matchup isn't great. Cleveland actually has been a little bit vulnerable in the run recently. Since week 12, they're dead last in explosive rush rate allowed. The issue is Devin Singletary is not the most explosive runner, so I'm not sure he'll take advantage of it, but it's an okay spot. Their 16th in success rate allowed defensively is Cleveland against the run in that sample, so I actually think Singletary is a pretty good play in the spot, especially like you said, considering there's not that much around him at the five-ish K range that you're really excited about, so I'll probably play a decent amount of him, and, and this is chocolate I'll definitely eat. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, they've given up performances like Brees Hall, had a top three performance, Joe Mixon. So it's it wouldn't be surprising. Let's say this game hits the under. Devin Singletary gets 25 touches. Like they just ride him and they've done that before. And if you want to stack up the other side, that's fine. But I think Devin Singletary and Cooper would be a correlation play. If you just want to play that and get out of this game, that's totally fine. I think you'll get a lot of leverage. But um, I also just really like the Cleveland defense. Like I think they're a really good play in general. Houston's going to look good from a points per dollar perspective, but Cleveland, I think, has the upside. Um, Flacco could throw picks too. So I, I think both defenses, I think people will lend towards Kansas City because of the weather. They're at home. Tua splits in the cold. So I think Kansas City's the chalk defense on Saturday, but these two give you more leverage if you want to go that route. Uh, any other takes in this game? Um, I don't think so. I think we hit on most of the important uh, aspects here. Yeah, I'm going to take Cleveland in the points. I'm going to lay it with Cleveland too. All right. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Miami at Kansas City. Kansas City is a four-point home favorite in the cold. Betts and I did not go to school to be meteorologists, but you're going to see a lot of stuff in your timeline. Temperatures apparently at zero. It's going to feel like it's negative. What what was the number we saw earlier? Negative like 30. Wind chill negative 30 throughout the game. I, I will be at home. Dude, I'll be at oh, my dad's slippers on. Nice little, you know, whiskey on the couch. Just warm as can be. Sweating even. <laughs> Maybe compared to this game, man. This is one that I, you couldn't pay me to go to this game. Okay, if you win this game, it's going to feel like, oh, we did it. If you lose this game, if you're the team that loses, you're going to be like, just get me out of here. I'm done. Yeah. Nope, like, no I, fun. I, I, I hate this. So we have some great articles on our website about weather. And if it really matters, it, you know, with field goals, like you can change stuff. If there's no rain, it's not as crazy. Like people overreact. And I think you brought up the perfect point. The line's at 44. It'd be different if this game was dipping and it's like 30, 31, you know, just low 30s. Like we're getting these other crazy games. Like, I don't know. I I think there's value to be had here if the field on a two-game slate already knows what's going to happen. So write that kind of stuff down if you're one of those people that has a notebook. It's like the field thinks this. And we know on a two-game sample size that things could change. It doesn't mean this game has to go off and go for 50 points, but if Cleveland and Houston hits the under and this game hits 44 points, you would be pretty happy. Like if this game was, I don't know, 20 to 23 or, you know, some, somewhere around there, like you would be happy. There's enough points to go around and you can find some value here. So where do you want to start? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Just, just hammering that home is like, remember it's already baked in. Now, if the total drops in the next two days to like 
42, right. 40. And then, yeah, obviously, let's adjust. But as of our recording, it's the same total, basically, as Cleveland-Houston. And I do think people are going to be worried, especially about the Miami side. So let's talk about them first. Um, offensively, they really haven't been that good. And I put this in in Vegas report. Like, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but is this team actually that good? They have one win against a team with a winning record this year. Um, now, anything can happen in one game slate, but the money is pouring in on Kansas City. Early in the week, it was you know three, then three and a half, then four. Now some spots, it's four and a half. So I'm not sure where it'll land, but just as a, a sign, like the general market is way down on Miami. So you're going to get ma- major leverage here on this side. No one wants to play Tua, and I can't really argue with it. You know, the, the stat that is going to be thrown around on social media right now is that Tua is 0-4 in games with a 45 degree, you know, at kickoff or under temperature. This is going to be way lower. He's completing uh, just over 55% of his passes with a 4-5 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. So he has played usually worse in cold-weather games. I also want to point out, like, and it's not rocket science, it, like, this team rolls as Tua goes. When Tua struggles, they lose. When he wins, or when they win, he rolls. In losses, he only averages uh, 223 yards and one touchdown. And we've talked about this on the main slate. Like, he really hasn't shown much of a ceiling recently. So I don't know that I'm going to go to Tua a ton in this spot, but I do have interest in his pass catchers. Like, if you're going to give me Tyreek Hill at, you know, 30 to 40%, which on a two-game slate is not that much, this dude can break the slate on any play, right? So, like, I definitely want to take some shots there. That's where I'm interested Yeah, we saw these two teams play in week nine and Tyreek was held in check for the most part. Now, on a two game, you would take somebody with eight catches for 62 yards. Like 14 points is 14 points on a two game slate. It really matters. So I I don't want to say like, oh, well, you know, remove Tyreek from consideration because it's Kansas City and it's cold and they're good against wide receiver ones. They don't give up big plays. 8,700 is a cheap price for Tyreek. Like we haven't paid that price since week one. So... I like that a lot. I like the running backs for Miami. It's tough because you kind of have to pick through them. They're back-to-back in pricing. I think Devon Achan sets up really well for an explosive play uh, in the passing game. And then Mostert, do we know anything about injury stuff with him? So obviously he hasn't played the last two weeks. Uh, He is trending to play. He's officially questionable, as is Waddle, according to Mike McDaniel. So, I mean, I'd be surprised if those guys sit again, of course, We'll make sure we're monitoring that stuff ahead of kickoff. But I think Raheem Mostert's back. But, you know, like, is he really healthy? I mean, last week was a, a really important game. It wasn't technically a must-win because they were already in the playoffs, but the two-seed matters in the AFC, right, obviously, and he couldn't get up for that one. So I don't know, man. I'm probably not going to play a ton of Mostert. I do have interest in Devon Achan. Like you said, if you're betting on something to happen in this, in this game where we're not really thrilled about the play volume potentially in a literal freezer in this spot. We think Tua might struggle a little bit. Don't you think the best way for Miami to create these explosive plays is with Devon Achan and Tyree Kill? Maybe that's just way too simplistic of thinking, but that's kind of how I'm approaching Miami in this spot. And, you know, we talked about it. The The chalk build is going to be at least Singletary and then probably either Pacheco or Jerome Ford. So if you spend up a little bit on Devon Achan, you're going to get a different build than other people. Everyone's going to play Nico and Amari Cooper and kind of figure it out from there. So again, if you spend up on um, Tyree Kill, you get a different build. So that's kind of how I'm thinking about this. You just get so much leverage with those two pieces. Yeah, I'm finding that Miami players, because they're being pooped on so much 
by everybody in roster percentage. Just play him. Like, you know that these players are explosive. It doesn't mean you have to believe in Tua. In fact, like, we've kind of said that a lot. Like, Tua hasn't been necessary really at all. Like, Tua double stacks is something we used to talk about in really plus matchups. This is a bad one. So, just soak up the production here. Get it as leverage in, in tournaments on Saturday only. Now, on the full slate, do you feel like they're easier to fade because the full field is just going to be away from them? The full slate's tough, man, because, and we'll talk about the spot for CeeDee Lamb and Amon Ra. It is perfect. Like, obviously in a dome, they're both at home. Their quarterbacks project well, higher higher totals. Like, it's kind of all, all there. So on the full slate, I find it tough to get to Tyreek. Um, whereas, like, you know, on a two-game slate, if Tyreek gives us 20 points, like, that might be enough to be in the optimal. On the six-game slate, when you have high-ceiling guys like uh, you know, I mentioned CeeDee Lamb, I mentioned Amon Ra, Mike Evans on the Monday night game. If AJ Brown is healthy, AJ Brown, like there's other guys that can beat him on a small slate like this. There's not that many. So I don't have as much interest on the six game slate as I do on the two game slate. Let's talk about the Chiefs side. I'm going to start with Pacheco because he's the offense. And and, that, and it feels so weird to talk about a Patrick Mahomes team where he's not the centerfold and it's, but it's Pacheco and 6,400 that is a really low price to pay for somebody who's getting this kind of usage. Uh, he was rest in week 18, but remember in week 17, he went bonkers. It was against the Bengals, 26 opportunities, 130 yards on the ground, seven receptions. Guys, that was 50% of the team's targets and rush attempts. That's the highest of his career. So 50% of what they were doing, that's called workload on our website if you want to look at that in the player profiles, but his work percentage was over the top stuff. And to me, he's the RB1 alongside Singletary if you're just looking at points per dollar. Uh, and just Saturday, it's it's very easily Pacheco and Singletary is like above the rest. And at home, in the cold, like it's just everything says that Pacheco is a good play. Yep, I'm with you. And it's really hard to poke any holes in it, especially considering, like you said, the state of the game where like we do kind of think play volume might not be there. But also like on running backs, it's it's easier to find a fade when they don't have as great of a uh, pass-catching role, Pacheco's probably going to get some work in the passing game. You've already shown us those games where he can get four or five targets in a game. So I find it tough to fade Pacheco. I think he's a pretty good play. I think my favorite part of this game, and maybe it's the contrarian in me, is that I'm finally kind of come around that I like Kelsey Ooh, a lot. Finally. It, it, only, it's it only the, took 18 weeks. It's probably taken me five years. Let's be honest. Like, so I did some digging. I tweeted this out, but this is the cheapest we have seen Travis Kelsey since October 7th of 2018. That's a span of 107 games, and you can count playoff games in that sample size too. So uh, 6,100 bets. Is that tempting for you? I mean, it is. He's now cheaper than Rasheed Rice, which he almost never is. Uh, He's cheaper than both the Miami running backs. He's cheaper than Pacheco. Amari Cooper, Nico Collins, kind of makes sense. I I get it. Yeah, it's it's something that I've looked at over and over again. It's like, okay, he hasn't surpassed 16 DraftKings points since week seven. So there's a reason he's this low. But Miami, 31st in schedule, adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. It's a really good spot for him. So I, I kind of like, in a two-game slate, I like using him as flex, I like using him as leverage on Njoku or Schultz who are going to be way more popular. 
It wouldn't shock me if if Kelsey got 15 DraftKings points, gets in the end zone, and he's an important part of you know what's going on. So can you stack Mahomes and Kelsey on the Saturday slate? Or is that like game environment just doesn't make sense? No, I think you can. I mean, their team total is basically the same as the Browns, uh, literally identical. We talked about the total. It's already baked in. Um, it's massive leverage on Pacheco, who's going to be popular. So, yeah, it makes sense to me. And, and again, just to hammer hammer home the point, like when you play Kelsey, there's so much opportunity cost because usually you're sacrificing a cheaper tight end and you're like, man, if Kelsey doesn't smash, like I'm probably I'm probably done. On this slate, like you said, if he gives you 15 points and the other five to six K price guys give you 10, 11, 12, Kelsey's important on the slate. So like, again, you don't need him to be incredible. Five for 60 and a touchdown is, is probably enough to land in the optimal lineup. So just for context, I do think you can stack uh, Mahomes and, and you can play Kelsey, obviously. I'm looking at these other Kansas city wide receivers, like the non Rashi rice wide receivers. And you know, it's like, I need Watson to catch a 35 yard bomb. I need MVS to show up. It's just really hard for me to project them for anything more than one catch, two catches, and they have to get in the end zone. So, yes, in a large field, one of them could do it. Um, do you have any thoughts on the other boys? Richie James, McCool Hardman, Kadarius Tony. So, this is the thinnest group on this slate. But I think it is important to maybe take some shots here. Now, the reason I say that is because none of these guys are going to be played. And so if you're looking for large field ways to differentiate your lineup, get a lower roster guy. One of these guys has a chance to crack that spot. Now, who is it going to be is the giant question mark. I will say on Kadarius Tony, the Chiefs, when when he's missed time since he's been traded to Kansas City, when he's missed two or three games, he basically hasn't played in his first game back. I went back, dug through the game logs. His snap rates were 18%, saw zero targets. 6% 6% saw one target, 11% of the snaps saw one target. So I'll have the zero of Kadarius Tony and just hope he doesn't, you know, get on the field for five snaps and catch two touchdowns because that's what he does. Um, but I think Richie James is kind of interesting as like the gross, gross play of the week. And the reason I say that is because he's been on IR for a little while with a thumb injury. He played in week 18. There were some reports talking about uh, you know, like they wanted to get him a full allotment of snaps, just get him in the offense, like get him going because he hasn't done anything all year. And now you've got that kind of momentum. I think there might be some plays in the game plan for Michael Hardman. Now, would anyone be surprised if he comes out and gives you a zero? Of course not. But we're talking about a two game slate where you got to get different somewhere. Michael Hardman's probably going to be five to 10%. And on a two game slate, that's nothing. So I'll take some shots and hope for the best. Normally, I would just laugh, but these are fringe wide receivers that will probably end up winning you some money. One, of I think one will. of these guys is, is yes. the key to the slate, truthfully. I think I would lean Hardman or Justin Watson. No love for MBS? <sighs> MBS won me a lot of money last year. I think it was a divisional round? I think so. It was against yeah. the Chiefs. No, it wasn't. Or, against, sorry, against the, <laughs> against the Bengals. <laughs> yeah, I, that, was, that was a good week to be overweight MBS. I don't know if this is the week. But um, Michael Harmon, it is. Yeah. And Rice is going to project really well. He's probably going to end up being Saturday's slate, like wide receiver three or four in our rankings. Like he's just solid through and through. Um, But I will take the Chiefs. I am too. It kind of seems like a square play, but there's so much money coming in on KC. I'll just, I'll just follow it. Okay. So 
Before we head to the Sunday games, any just theory about combining those two games together, what you want to do, who's going to be popular? Yeah, I already mentioned like the chalk build is Singletary and Pacheco, and then you play Joe Flacco and you play Amari Cooper and David Njoku. It's like that combination of, what is that, five or six guys, throw Nico Collins in there. Like that's basically your full roster, right? Like the field is going to be so massively duplicated in those guys. So I'll probably be trying to limit my exposure in one lineup to like maybe four of them at most, just trying to get different combinations. And like I said, there's there's different ways to do that. Spend up a little on Devon Achan, um, spend up at wide receiver on Tyree Kill. Like those are just kind of a couple examples, but just know like that combination of, of players, they are good plays, don't get me wrong, but they are going to be so popular that my fear is if you play them in tournaments together, you just won't have any differentiation in your lineup to actually win something meaningful. Yeah, it, the if you look at the wide receivers, like I, I'm just going through the list, not many people will be playing two wide receivers from the same exact team. So like not, Flacco, Cooper, and Elijah Moore, probably not going to be played together a lot because Njoku seems like a much better play than Elijah Moore. Same thing with Mahomes. It's like you're going to play Rice and you have to guess the other one. Uh, Stroud, it's like Collins is the clear one and then... Who else do you play? Tua, it's Tyreek. So what I'm finding is if you want some leverage, there's a second wide receiver for that team. If you want to play those two together and you find the two touchdowns, that's really awesome. Um, I think Jerome Ford is a really good leverage point on Devin Singletary in the same game. If you want to go that direction and just say, I'm not playing Singletary, but his usage is so good, it's hard to get away. I would say my biggest take is I just, I like Kelsey. I think Kelsey's a really good play at his price point. As a favored team at home in the playoffs, we've seen him uh, do really, really well. So um, we will have the have those best plays for Saturday only uh, if you want to go that direction. Let's move to Sunday. First game is Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills. For context, okay, the Bills are 10-point home favorites. The over-unders like 35, 36. It's pretty low depending on your book. The Steelers team implied total of 13 is the lowest for a playoff, a third lowest for a playoff team since 2000. So 13 points. We would normally say, bets. this is the team you stay away from. We do our Tuesday episode. Don't invest in this team. They stink. So I want to start with the Steelers really quickly and say, is anybody worth playing on the Sunday slate? <laughs> Man, it is rough. And let's put context around why their total is that low. Uh, they are traveling to Buffalo. Again, another snow, wind, gross sort of game environment. So that's why. Honestly, I don't think anyone here is crucial to have. I think you could play Najee just because I think the workload is going to be there. And I think if the weather is as bad as it is, they will try to hide Mason Rudolph for as long as they possibly can. But they are 10-point underdogs. So if things go sideways, they get out to a big lead. Buffalo does. Like Najee's going to kind of be stuck holding the bag, I think. I'm interested in Jalen Warren, though, as a potential pivot. I just think if you're kind of thinking about the way the slate shakes out at the running back position, obviously we'll talk about Kyrie we'll talk about James Cook, um, Jameer Gibbs, like those guys, they're all great. But if you think about the weather situation and kind of how this game likely goes, could we see more dump offs to Jalen Warren in a negative game script if they do fall behind? Maybe, right? I think that's possible. So for me, like I don't have a ton of interest in George Pickens, not really on Deontay Johnson and then... I know no one's playing Mason Rudolph, so you will get very good roster percentage, but I'm not playing Mason Rudolph. So I think it's pretty much Jalen Warren, and that's about it. 
Yeah, I'm not playing Mason Rudolph. If he beats me, he beats me. Famous words. Is. But uh, yeah, I even thought, should I go back and watch his college tape? And then I said, no. So I'm not going to spend time doing <laughs> Seems that. Seems like a terrible uh, use of your time. I know. Uh, Jalen Warren, can I give you a hot stat? Ooh, it's real hot. Uh, his targets per out run this year is 28.1%. That ranks eighth among all players. And if you just look at this slate bets, if, you were, if you're just looking at the playoffs, the only ones that are better than him are Tyreek Hill and CeeDee Lamb. That's crazy. I mean, he's being used as a wide receiver on this team. So consider him as a 5,100 wide receiver, 5,600 on FanDuel. Um, I think Jalen Warren is probably my favorite play on that side. I will add a note about George Pickens because Buffalo plays a ton of press coverage. They'll probably put Razul Douglas on him a lot. And Betts and I kind of ignore cornerback matchups because teams play zone and they travel over the field. It's like, it doesn't really matter. Razul Douglas is a bigger cornerback. You need to put your hands on Pickens, but Pickens has been awesome against press coverage this year. So we've seen him break some big ones with Mason Rudolph. So for me, Najee's going to get a ton of work. So it's really hard to say don't play Najee in cash type environments. But when we're talking about tournaments, I just think there's lots of other running backs with better ceilings and better game environments. So if Najee gets in the end zone, congrats. I still don't think he ends up being the optimal because he doesn't offer anything in the passing game which is crazy because that's what he was good at in college. But uh, yeah, I, I, Steelers, I'm just not that interested other than Warren as a bring back or Pickens as like a dart throw. Uh, what about the Buffalo side? Yeah, and again, context. Like on this three-game slate, there's incredible game environments that we can talk about later that we'll talk about, you know, with Green Bay and, and, and Dallas, Detroit, and the Rams. Like I just don't think you need a ton of Steelers. On the Bills side of things, 10-point um, home favorites, they've – got a 23 and a half team implied total it's pretty decent if the weather is as bad as it is i think we could see josh allen run a ton and i think the chalk build right now is like man how do you not play stafford in this revenge game against his old team in the dome or how do you not play Dak? right like i think josh allen kind of go a little bit overlooked in this spot even if he doesn't have an incredible day throwing he throws for one he runs in one or two like you're going to hear from him on the slate obviously and we've talked about this in our our playoff previews in in previous weeks or previous years rather like quarterbacks do tend to run a little bit more in the postseason Josh Allen has averaged just over 52 yards on the ground per game in the playoffs in his career so I think it's a sneaky spot to maybe single stack him and and hope he runs he's been getting a little bit more work as a runner inside the 10-yard line anyway so if I play him that's that's the reason I'd be playing him all right I'm going to ask a question and I need you to prepare yourself can I play Josh Allen naked I was not prepared for that. Uh, you sure can. Go ahead. <laughs> for those that are new, that just means Josh Allen by himself. Um, I, I guess I just worry about the overall game environment. Let's say Josh Allen runs for 52 yards. You said it's his average. He gets in the end zone one time on the ground, and he throws at least one touchdown. I think he can be a really good quarterback and compete with the others. Now, I'd want three overall touchdowns based on what Dak can do and everything else. But like there's a scenario where like, you know, somebody catches a short touchdown, the yardage isn't quite there, but he runs a ton. And on a three game slate, like I think he's more contrarian than anything else. I just don't know who to play with him. Like I'm not going to stack him with James Cook because the touchdowns are kind of split between them. Stephon Diggs is expensive considering we haven't seen him do anything recently. 
Khalil Shakir is moving up in a lot of ways where you could say, I want to play him, but against man coverage, and that's what this Pittsburgh defense does, he's not good. Gabe Davis, do you think he plays? No. Okay, so is that a lot of Trent Sherfield? I think it's a lot of Khalil Shakir and a lot of two tight end sets, probably. So let's talk about Dalton Kincaid then, because I think he's an intriguing play. Like the Sunday slate doesn't have as good a tight ends. Like the Saturday is three really good tight ends that you can play. I think you could talk me into two or three different guys on Sunday. And I think Kincaid at 4,600 is very, very interesting. Pittsburgh's being terrible against tight ends. So um, yeah, 15 targets last two weeks. Do you like Kincaid at all? I do. I actually like him quite a bit. And you know, he's just one of these guys. When you look at the slate, it's like, man, how do I get different? Uh, right now, I'm seeing Jake Ferguson, who is $100 more, projected for just over 40%. Don Kikaid, for $100 less, 15%. Again, on a three-game slate, that's nothing. So, like, just an easy price point pivot there. You just hope he catches a touchdown, hope he catches five balls. If Jake Ferguson doesn't give you, you know, six or seven catches, like, you're you're probably beating him uh, with Kincaid. So, I think he's a great play. He's one of my favorite tournament plays on that uh, Sunday slate. James Cook, we've seen with offensive coordinator Joe Brady since he took over that he is this, like he's this team's wide receiver too. He's been targeting 22% of his routes since Brady took over. And I looked this up because a double-digit favorite is a big deal in the playoffs. Since 2010, we've had 13 double-digit favorites that won in the playoffs. They averaged 126 rushing yards and 30 rushing attempts per game. So between Cook and Allen, I think you're going to see that increase in rushing. Uh, this team has been running the ball more. So Cook could get there. And I think if I were to do that, I would just play Cook and maybe get out of this game and yep. just be done and just think that this game doesn't go anywhere. Yep, I agree. I think that's a, a pretty good take. If you are going to play, like you said, like kind of one or two ways, like you kind of play a Josh Allen uh, single stack or or naked or just Cook and get out of there. And that's kind of where I'm at. All right, I'm looking at this line, and I think that the Steelers, because they're the Steelers, this is my just old football take, I will take Steelers in the points. Ten points is a lot. Yeah, and actually historically, uh, got uh, teams that are you know double-digit underdogs usually cover the spread in the playoffs. Man, they're going to play so ugly, slow, so slow, try to just win this thing with variance and like hope they get a fumble recovery or you know something and like win it like 13-10, like it's going to be a gross game. So I will take the points. I think they try to minimize the play volume here. All right, let's talk about a couple more exciting Sunday games. Green Bay Packers at the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys are seven and a half point home favorites at Jerry's world. The over-under is at 50 and a half. We love the Cowboys, right? Like at home, they're awesome. 37 points per game. They've exceeded their team total in every home game, but one. And the plays are kind of like, oh, you play Dak and CD. And then you figure out the third piece. Is it Cooks? Is it Ferguson? It's like not super complicated with Dallas. Although if we were to figure out who it is on the Green Bay side, I could literally give you the case for five different dudes as a bring back. But if I were to start somewhere, it's just the Dak CD stack. Yeah. I mean, nothing really to say. (laughs) It's one of the best stacks you can play on the six game slate, on the three game slate. Uh, It's really hard to poke holes. So there's nothing that you can say negative about it. Just know, I think Dak's probably going to be the most popular quarterback play on the Sunday slate, and CeeDee Lamb is going to be the most popular wide receiver play on the slate, unless it's Amon Ra. It's it's kind of a coin flip, but like again, just know if you are going to play it, you need to look for ways to get different elsewhere. 
Nothing negative to say about it, though, man. They're at home. Dallas usually rolls. Huge team total. It's the highest on the slate. So Dak projects uh, extremely well. Yeah, Dak's 74 completion rate at home. CeeDee Lamb is our boy. He's Any other year, he'd win Offensive Player of the Year. I just need to say that. So mad about that, man. We were right. We were, we were s- right. The process was right, as he says. Leaving, watching the watching the money just leave his account. Is there? Do you give any percent chance that CD Lamb could win the award? Uh, I mean, five percent. Okay, <laughs> not really. Okay, so you're telling me? You're telling you're me telling there's me a there's chance? chance. <sighs> anyway, uh, so Dak double stacks Tony Pollard. Let's talk about Tony because he has been somebody that whenever you wanted to count on old Tony P. It hasn't gone well this year, and yet DraftKings is daring us to play him at 6,100 against a Packers team that you can run the ball on. Like That's what sucks. Like It, it's, it actually sucks because teams are running on the Packers, the fourth highest rate in the league. Cowboys are a touchdown favorite at home. It's a positive game script. Talk me out of this. We say that every week, though, don't we, about Tony Pollard? Yeah, so? yeah but I don't. I hate it. <laughs> I hate when I play Tony Pollard. I hate it. Well, you know, that's why you shouldn't play him then. Um, look, I, the numbers say he's a good play, but there's a human element to this. Like, if you have faded Tony Pollard when he's been super, super chalky, like last week he was okay. He was like, you know, seven, 70 yards and a rushing score. It's fine. But like on a main slate, that's not going to kill you. On a three-game slate, that's pretty good. So I get it on Tony Pollard. I just want to lean into Dak here and probably come in underweight on Pollard and just kind of hope that, you know, the way Dallas wants to play is aggressive through the air and maybe give Rico Dowd a little bit more work. He saw a little bit more run last week as well. Part of that was garbage time stuff and week 18 with in the playoffs. They're locked up the two seed and whatever. But um, I don't think Tony Pollard is a slam dunk play on the slate just because Kyron is an awesome price. Jameer Gibbs, I think, is a really good play. I think Aaron Jones is a very sneaky play on the other side of this thing. We already talked about James Cook. And when you look at the pricing, you know, Gibbs 65 hundred on DraftKings. Aaron Jones 6300, Tony Pollard right there at 6100, James Cook uh 6600. So like they're kind of all in that spot. So if the field is overconfident in Tony Pollard yet again, I'm going to look elsewhere. I yeah, I'm just going to say I love Aaron Jones on the slate. He's one of my favorite plays. It sets up really well. Teams are running the ball against Dallas for the last month 59% of the time. So the rush rate's been like through the roof. We saw James Cook destroy this team what was that, like four weeks ago, yep. where they just gave, gave him the rock. Um, Dallas plays a ton of heavy man looks, which means they gamble, you know, giving you some football takes. But, like, they gamble a lot in the passing game. What that does is one missed tackle here. It leaves a lot of stuff open. So I like Aaron Jones a lot. It still baffles me that I can, like, point at some player and say, that player is old. I don't want to play him. And then I look at Aaron Jones. I go, he's 29. You should play him. <laughs> Hey, we don't need him to hold up for a whole season, Kyle. We just need him for one week. I know. So I like Aaron Jones a lot as like a bring back. I mean, there's four Packers wide receivers that you could pretty much say, I, I might play this person. They could be the guy. Jane Reed's probably what a lot of people would be playing. But uh, to me, I really like this scenario if the Packers somehow either stay competitive or get an early lead with Aaron Jones, who's been getting an insane amount of work, three straight games with 20 plus carries. So Aaron Jones is like my favorite bring back right now. 
if I'm looking at uh, da- uh, the Dallas side stacking up. But let's go to the Packers side. Any any takes there? Yeah, just to follow up on Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon was spotted on Thursday, uh, briefly stretching and then went inside for rehab. He's dealing with a stinger in his neck. Missed last week. So if A.J. Dillon is out, I mean, man, the workload projection for Aaron Jones is going to look awesome. Um, and the nice thing about if you play him is he's kind of game script proof. Like I think he'll get in there on if they're in a negative game script, like he'll be in there as a pass catcher too. So I like him in both scenarios. So I, I'm in on Aaron Jones for sure. On the Packers side, you mentioned people are going to play Jaden Reed. I don't think they are. And it's not just like he's a good play, obviously, and, and what he's done has been awesome as a rookie. But again, just thinking about you only have so many wide receiver spots you can play. Everyone's playing CD. Everyone's playing Amon Ross St. Brown and one of Puka or Cooper Cup because of the matchup, you run out of spots pretty quickly, right? So I think uh, Jaden Reed is a pretty awesome play on the slate for tournaments. What do we do with Christian Watson? I was looking up different splits for this team, and it's like on a per-route rate basis, all of them besides Romeo Dobbs have been really good against man coverage. Like I was like, oh, man, Reed's pretty good. Oh, Aaron Jones, like they use him a lot there. Oh, Dontavian Wicks has been good. Wow, Christian Watson's good. And I realized like none of these guys end up playing the same time together. Like other than Dobbs being like consistent all the way through, it's been like Reed's been banged up. Watson never's on the field. Wicks has been hurt. Bo Melton's now in the mix. Luke Musgrave was hurt. So it's like hard for me to get a read on which one of these wide receivers I can have confidence in playing time-wise if they're all healthy. So is Watson going to play? I thought he was going to go last week, honestly. Um, I do think he plays, but they've shown us over and over again, similar to like the Cardarius Tony thing, when he's coming back from an extended absence, which the dude barely played this year, um, they don't play him much. So again, he's a very thin play. I get it that you're hoping for like one long bomb, but I'm going to bet against that and he probably won't make my player pull, honestly. Any thoughts on like the Wicks, Bo Melton? Like I, Bo Melton had a really good week 17. I can't use that information for wildcard weekend and say he's a really good play, even at a lower price point. Same thing with Wicks. Like Wicks had two touchdowns, 4,800. It's tempting to want to go there because we don't have a ton of value wide receivers other than Demarcus Robinson, who's going to be chalk. So like I want to play these guys if it's in a game environment in the dome where Jordan Love's going to be throwing a ton, but I, I, I can't figure out the playing time. So that I'm kind of feel stuck here. I think that's how the field is going to feel as well. So that makes all these guys interesting kind of dart throws just to get different in your lineup. Um, Like I said, Jaden Reed projects the best. He's 5,700 on DraftKings. I love his role for like how they use him and the way they manufacture him touches and all those sort of things. Um, And like I said, not a lot of people are going to play him Uh, on a three game slate. He's looking at about 15 to 20% roster percentage. That's, that's cool with me, man. That's a pretty good play. So I don't even think you have to get cute with the Dobbs, Watsons of the world, Dontavian Wicks of the world. I don't think you have to go there, truthfully. So um, if you want to take a shot, I get it. It's just they don't project very well. Looking at Jordan Love, he's a great price at 6300 Like I think he's a good value option. I think he's a high floor player. And I was going back through his game logs. Like, What does he need to do, Jordan Love, at 6300 to be better than Dak, better than Josh Allen, better than what we're about to talk about Stafford and golf. Like how does Jordan love end up being the key to the slate? And it's like, they're, they're more than a touchdown dog in this game. It, it doesn't look great, but I look back early in the year, they were 
eight and a half point dogs against Detroit on the road. So a dome game, similar setup. He went for 268 and three and ran for 39 on the ground. That's the type of, you know, stats that you need from him. And I think he's certainly capable of it. He's been awesome. Um, really like over the last, what, like seven, eight weeks. Like he's been arguably like MVP level playing and got them in the playoffs. So I, I don't mind Jordan Love. I think he's an easy double-stacking partner, and I include Aaron Jones. So if you really want to get contrarian, I think a Jordan Love, Aaron Jones, and then one of the pass catchers uh, is a way you could stack it up and bring CD on the other side is a, is a great way to look at this game. If you think the Dallas touchdowns are spread out or if you think the Packers surprise, uh, I think there's a lot there. Any other takes on the Packers side? I didn't even mention the tight ends. Man, that's tough. You know, like I mentioned, the Packers are just so conservative with guys in their first game back. So even though Luke Musgrave probably plays, like, is he the guy? Is he on the field enough? I don't know. And then it's like, man, Tucker Craft, it's like you're already just hoping for a touchdown anyway. Now he has to share time. So I'm just going to bet against those guys and, and hope for the best. All right. I will take I will take the Packers in the points. Wait, 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 wait. We didn't mention the best play on the Dallas side. Oh. Brandon oh, Cooks. Oh, oh, okay, gotcha. I think Brandon Cooks is an awesome play on the slate, um, especially if you're correlating the scheme, which the total says you should. It's in a dome. Dak projects extremely well. Um, he's kind of tough to fit. He's like in no man's land pricing wise at 4900 on DraftKings. So I love him on that on that slate just because again he fits very well with the uh, Dak CD stack. Or if you wanted to play him just as kind of the bring back on a Jordan Love stack, he's going to be pretty manageable. I think roster percentage wise where he will get played, but like, again, on a three-game slate, 20% is not that much, and you need those kind of guys in your lineup. So I think Brandon Cooks is a really good play. You literally wrote down in the notes, he's a great play, let's talk about him, and I just ignored it. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. All right, Packers in the points for me. Oh, man, this is tough. I think at seven and a half with that hook, I would take Green Bay. But I think the Cowboys win this game. All right, last game, Revenge Game Central, Los Angeles Rams at the Detroit Lions. I feel like both of these guys have kind of like made their peace, although maybe there's some player from the Rams that think like Jared Goff's a turd. I think Sean McVay thought that. <laughs> That's why I traded him. <laughs> yes, I know, but Matthew Stafford's the man. I love Matthew Stafford. You can't say anything negative about that man. He's awesome. Um, the Lions are three-and-a-half-point home favorites. The over-and-unders at 51-and-a-half. It's the best game of the week. I was looking at my game pace scores at four and a half. These offenses are really, really fun. And congrats to Detroit Lions fans. This is your first playoff home game since 1993. Respect, mad respect. Um, but the Rams are one of those teams that when I looked at this, I was like, man, you do not want to run into them in the playoffs, especially if everybody's cooking. I really like Sean McVay. Also another Georgia boy. Marist High School. I mean, come on. I got I got to keep giving shout-outs for my Georgia boys. Got to. It's on brand. My boys. Uh, so, where do you want to start the conversation in this game? Because I think both sides are stackable. Both sides are intriguing. I, I, I could see either one of these teams put up 30-plus points. Yeah, this game is going to be so fun. Just the, the headlines for the actual NFL, the trade of Goff and Stafford, and now they meet. Um, it's just it's a really fun storyline. So, I love this game. Incredible spot to late swap. Remember last game on the slate? That's a huge edge in, in tournaments, so be thinking about that. Um, let's just start with Amon Ra, man. I mean, one of the best plays on the slate. His splits for zone are insane. That's what the Rams do. No Laporta on the field. Like, 
I know wide receiver chalk is usually bad chalk, but like, doesn't this kind of feel like pretty good chalk for Amon Rossi Brown in this spot with Jared Goff at home? I, I can't poke any holes. And at 8,000, it's almost like a bargain. Uh, so pause real quick. Do you feel like we get so many players that I'm used to their salary and what they used to be? Like I mentioned the Travis Kelsey, I, mem- I mentioned Tyreek Hill. And I've been used to saying like, oh, well, I, I used to pay this. So now that I get this price, I can, you know, pay down a little. <laughs> what a Even deal. CD, I know CD at 9,000, that sounds playable too. So I feel like Amon Ra, I, it's hard not playing him because I feel like 10 targets feels like a must with Laporta out. James Williams is not a player that I feel like super comfortable playing at all. Josh Reynolds is Josh Reynolds. And Stop the only it. other play I really... Yeah. The only other play I like is Jameer Gibbs on the Detroit side. So it's like they feel so solid that Amon Ra is going to give you the raw points you need uh, in this week. Yep, I'm with you. And again, that matters. Like floor kind of matters on these small slates too. So I think he's really good, really good play, obviously. Let's talk about that secondary piece though for the Lions. Like I think Brock Wright's probably going to play the most for the Lions. I'm not going to play Brock Wright and just hope for the Former- best punt tight end of the week from yep, like, last year yeah <laughs> but um jameson williams is due back from an ankle injury Khalif raymond probably not going to play he and laporta are vacating about a 30 percent target share in this offense i think the logical explanation is man we just see amon get peppered with targets i think we see jameer gibbs have more use in the passing game as an extension of the run game which you can't really run very much on the rams anyway and the field i think is going to just assume okay Laporta out, uh, JMO in. Let's just play him. I know Josh Reynolds isn't the best talent in the world, man, but they're the same exact price and they don't project that much differently. And he's going to be half the roster percentage. I think he's one of the best tournament plays on the slate. And he's got revenge too. You know, that's right. He's drafted as a Ram. He's probably feeling it in his bones. And when he gets opportunity, like he actually has done pretty well. He kind of got phased out for Jamison, but in three wide receiver sets, it's going to be Amon Ra. Jameson Williams, and I think Josh Reynolds is going to play a ton without Khalif Raymond, so I think he's a really good play. So this Rams defense is really good against the run, like Betts mentioned. They're not good at pressuring the passer. They have the worst pressure rate among all playoff teams remaining. So when Goff gets in a clean pocket, he can shred zone coverage. So I I think I normally just don't care about Goff that much, but Goff at home, Goff against the zone, even without Laporte, I think he's a good play. And I really do like Jameer Gibbs. His targets per out run against zone coverage this year, 27%. That's pretty solid for any player, but especially a running back. So think of him as the wide receiver two for this team instead of Jameson Williams. 6,500, he's a great play. Dave Montgomery, I'm just not that interested. He's got to fall in the box, I think, twice to really make a difference in this game. And I think it's just going to be a back and forth affair. If you thought this game hits the under, I could see you saying David Montgomery's the play and you get out of this game and you move on. But uh, Gibbs and Amon Ra from that side seem a lot better. Let's go to the Rams. Uh, Stafford double stacks is how we would normally play it. And you can include Kyron in that conversation because he is Christian McCaffrey light. And at 7,300, we're getting a gift from DraftKings to play him. Another example, though, where the matchup against the run is terrible. Detroit's been really good against the run all year. So how are you handling Kyron in tournaments? Because despite the matchup, he's going to be a high floor, highly rostered player. Yeah. And we talk about, you know, sometimes matchups matter. Sometimes they're a little overrated. 
like when a player's going to touch the ball as much as he is at his price, again, it's kind of a, and, and it's context is important. They price guys down on a three game slate. So it's kind of easier to build differently. So that's why Kyron is so cheap. But again, like on the main slate, just two weeks ago, we were playing him at 9K or something, right? So like you're playing him at 7,300 on DraftKings. I get it. Uh, incredible spot you know, as far as his usage, incredible workload. He's a good play, even in, in a tough matchup. So I'm, I'm in on Kyron. Yeah, the wide receivers for the Rams, like Puka is going to project really well. Cup is tough to pay that price, like especially on DraftKings, that he is more expensive than Nakua where Nakua has been targeted on a more frequent basis. But Demarcus Robinson is probably the headline. We'd never say that, but they abandoned him on DraftKings at 3,600. He's going to show up in almost every single optimal, right? Like, would you say that he will be on Sunday the most popular player? Either him or or one of the studs, whether it's Amonar or CD, but like they're all going to be in the 45 to 50% range. Yeah, and... It's hard to argue. Like he's being used. This is a three wide receiver set team and 97% route rate. Targets per outrun have been good. His correlation, I looked this up, uh, with Puka is 0.84 in their last five games. It's just five games. But like if you played Stafford double stacks recently and Robinson was a part of that, a Kyron or Robinson Nakua, those are really good spots. So I, I think Stafford is a player that because he doesn't run, you need at least two players to bring along with him. And uh, I think Robinson and Nakua or Robinson and Kyron are going to be popular ways to do that. Higby's interesting. I mean, it's it's not a great tight end slate for Sunday. We mentioned Dalton Kincaid. We like him. Turd Ferguson, he's probably going to be the most popular. But I don't mind Higby at 3,400. Yeah, it's just a way to get different. I think it's fine. Um, would you... How are you handling Demarcus Robinson? Because like you said, he's popular, but he's so cheap. And the thing that you didn't even mention is like, this dude is leading the team in end zone targets. <laughs> so like, it's not like you're just like, oh, I hope he doesn't catch a touchdown. Like he's been the guy they're looking for when they're throwing inside the 20. So is he a good play at 3,600? Like if you're playing cash, you should certainly play him. But in a tournament, do you think he's a good fade? Is this the, I mean, like I've been racking my brain the last like two months, like, where was this Demarcus Robinson for the Ravens and for the Chiefs? Like, Dude, he's he, being used. This is wild. He was playing with Patrick Mahomes and he was just out there farting around. <laughs> <laughs> now he's like the key to the slate. <laughs> I know. Um, I, I think he's good chalk at 3,600 against a Detroit team that we've just picked on through the air the entire year. So I, I can't poke holes in him. At 3,600, what does he have to do to pay off? Yeah, not that much. That's That's the issue. The other thing is that, and look, like any player can fail on any slate, so don't hear what I'm not saying, but just like, man, how does Stafford not at least put up a pretty good to awesome stat line? Like Nick Mullins has shredded this team twice in the last three weeks. The the last um, eight quarterbacks they faced, Josh, Justin Fields twice, Jordan Love, which in hindsight, like Jordan Love is playing very well, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Nick Mullins twice, and Dak. This team is allowing almost nine yards per pass attempt, like they cannot stop anyone through the air. So that's why I think just you're betting on Stafford and, and he's bringing someone with him. And because he's so cheap to Marcus Robinson, I think he's still a pretty good play, even though he's going to be chalky. Yeah. And he's getting those deeper targets. I hate, I hate saying that Cooper cup, like you just cringe sometimes when you see the ball put in his hands, you're like, I just don't see him. He can't create the way that he used to. And I cringe in a way where it's like, I know what he is. I know how great he can be. 
It's kind of like when you see Julio with the ball, it's like, oh man, I know what you were, <laughs> except for those two touchdowns. Eagle great. For Julio Jones. Eagle great. Yeah, that's how he's going to retire. That, that would be such a punch in the face. I would Dude, die we're talk about Julio on the, on the showdown slate. Don't you worry. I would just, it, it would make me cry so much if Julio Jones was like, I'm going to retire and go in the Hall of Fame as an Eagle. <laughs> His best day is clearly as an Eagle, obviously. All right, give me your Vegas take. Oh, man, this game is so tough. I, I know we don't do this, Kyle. I know we don't take overs on this show on a 50-point total, but I like the over in this spot between Stafford and, and Jared Goff. Hey, it's the playoffs. You can do whatever you want. I've gone back and forth. My early take was take the Rams three and a half points because I want to stick it to the Lions. I also think that this matchup sets up really well for Detroit just to like keep humming and they're at home. They can get after the passer. Like that's the big thing in this game. Can they get to Matthew Stafford? So I think I'll take the over and in my heart want the Rams to win. That, that That's where I'll, that's where I'll leave it. So yeah, I think the, over. I think the Rams are very live to win this game. Like I think the Laporta injuries is low key, very important. All right, give me your roster construction thoughts for if you're playing the Sunday-only slate. So we just talked about the last three games, Pittsburgh-Buffalo, Green Bay-Dallas, Detroit, and the Rams. How would you approach that from a roster construction? Who's going to be popular? I mean, we already mentioned Robinson is going to be the most popular play probably, and then it's going to be at least one of Amon Ra and CD, if not both. So again, that three-wide receiver combo is Chalk City, so just be mindful of that. Uh, the other thing is Jake Ferguson, I think, is going to end up in a ton of optimals. So I'll be trying to not play all four of those pieces together if I can help it as far as roster construction. Um, and, and kind of thinking about that differently as far as how I build there. Throw in Tony Pollard, he's also flooding optimals. So, like, man, you're getting you're getting a lot of pieces that just make you a little uneasy. So, again, just knowing who's going to be popular and kind of how to pivot around it, I think, is is the key to these small slates. Yeah, I just love the other running backs on this slate that are not named Tony Pollard. Call me crazy, but Jameer Gibbs, Kyron Williams, Aaron Jones, James Cook, Jalen Warren even. I feel like all of those players, I will probably play over Tony Pollard if I'm playing the other chalky builds. At defense, people are going to be playing Buffalo, and rightfully so. They even play Pittsburgh because it's just a low total game. Josh Allen, ton of interceptions this year. So I think if you want to gain leverage at defense, you pick one of those other games. So Detroit and the Rams... Uh, you know, Dallas can create turnovers. Jordan Love could create, you know, turnovers and play one of those defenses, hoping that you get a score there uh, and not just go with a low scoring game. But we will give you our best plays in the DFS pass. And then the Monday night game, we are not going to preview here because we want to do a special thing in the DFS pass this Monday. We will be putting out a mini article, a showdown article. We're going to be looking at the Eagles buccaneers game just as a single game that you can play with us we'll open up some contests and we will be going live on discord at oh my gosh i'm gonna say it two o'clock eastern Eastern. time two eastern on monday bets and i you can see our lovely lovely faces if you love our voices and you're like man those people must have a face for podcasting i need to see it uh (laughs) we will go live on discord and get to talk through the game we'll walk through it the same way we did the others and then we will create a showdown lineup that is sure to win a milli if you want to get in on the fun. So yeah, uh, DFSPass.com if you want to be a part of that. Ballers Discord if you want to be a part of that group. And uh, excited to be a part of that. One more segment. 
Prop it like it's hot. If you want our props, our official props, you can get them in the DFS Pass, DFSPass.com. We put out some props for playoff weekend, super wild card. We're going to keep putting them all throughout the playoffs, including, man, Super Bowl or the big game props, however you want to call it. That is a really, really fun exercise that you and I do. We build a giant parlay, and we've gotten close, as they say, <laughs> uh, on like the eight-leggers, but we've done some smaller ones that have hit two in the DFS pass. But Super Bowl uh, props, basketball props even, if you want some of those All for the props. fun. Yeah. What was my prop that I gave out? By the time you're listening, we will know. This is Dinwiddie's what, under. today? You got to fade oh. Dinwiddie. Yeah, it was an under, I think, on his assist, maybe? Yeah, he popped up with an illness today, though. Oh, did he even play? I, I don't know. I got about to find oh, out. <laughs> um, all right, Betts, give me a prop for Wild Card Weekend. Yeah, I'm going to take Baker Mayfield under 10.5 rushing yards. Um, I got this on Caesars at minus 111. Hard-hitting analysis, Kyle, okay? He has not hit this line since week 12. <laughs> He's been under in eight of the last 10 games. I don't understand the line personally. Of course, any quarterback can rush for one or two scrambles and hit their hit their mark. But I'm going to bet against that this week because last week against the Carolina Panthers, Mayfield tweaked his right ankle, limping a bunch on the, uh, off and on the field, not looking like himself. So I just don't think it's a great spot to bet uh, on Baker Mayfield here. I think he does not run a lot, just operates as a, a pocket passer. So I'll take under 10.5. You heard it here, guys. Somebody benefiting off of the injury of somebody else in the most important game of their entire life. You're the worst. <laughs> no, I, well, what I love about this is I looked at the line when you posted and I was like, oh, under 10 and a half, that, that makes sense. And then when you just gave your reasoning and then you throw in an injury analysis, it makes me lean into it more. So those are, I'm just giving you props for sharing something that I didn't know. Thanks, Kyle. I appreciate I that. Yeah, well, speaking of rushing, let's go with Jordan Love over seven and a half rushing yards. He surpasses in 11 of his 17 games. Dallas, we know, creates a ton of pressure. That opens up scramble opportunities. Opposing quarterbacks have averaged 18 rushing yards per game. Here are the quarterbacks that have gone over this line against them. Your boy, Danny DeVito. <laughs> Tommy DeVito's not even a thing anymore, is he? Sadly, no. Will he ever start a game in the NFL again? Um, Maybe like in week 18 as like the starter's resting or something. Okay, good. So DeVito... Jalen Hurts twice, Josh Allen, Sam Howell, Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford crossed this line against them. Josh Dobbs, Daniel Jones, and this one sticks out to me, Zach Wilson. You know why? Because I learned my lesson because I took the under that week for Zach Wilson's <laughs> rushing yards, failing to understand that when you create pressure, it creates scramble opportunities. He ran for 36 yards against them. So Jordan Love, seven and a half rushing yards over this week like it. If you want to get to play with us, you can go to ballersdfs.com, play in our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers DFS, Borg, and Bets. we got some playoff contests. They're super fun. I've seen people say, hey, I haven't won that much this year, and then I jumped in one of your contests, and I took all of your money. Good for you. Uh, it's a good little win. Love that for you. Good way to- Love that for you. <laughs> Love that so for great. you and your family. Congratulations. <laughs> so, uh, ballersdfs.com if you want to play with us. Bets. Sign us off. Whew, what a show, dude. I'm exhausted. That was a long episode. So many uh, games this weekend. Should be a ton of fun. Enjoy the football. And uh, don't forget, ballersdfs.com, also dfspass.com, and Discord, Monday, 2 o'clock. We'll see you then.
thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com.